Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. Liz Willen, America's Failing High Schools, Ideas That Work. That's your radio voice, Richard. Oh, well, I know. <laughs> I love it. I couldn't do it to save my life. We have a dearth of preparation in, in the high schools. Kids are coming out of high school not ready for the jobs that are going to be available and often not ready for college-level work. The best high schools, whether they're charter or public, to me have a sense of purpose, a central idea, and a team working together. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? So, Jim, millions of kids are not getting the education they need to be a success in life. So in this show, we're going to talk about high school reform, what's working and what's not. Right. About 80% of kids graduate, but many of them really aren't prepared either for college or the work world. One study says there's 35 million new jobs that require some kind of college, but there's already a shortage of skilled workers in those fields. Liz Willen is our guest, editor-in-chief of the Heckinger Report, which covers innovation and inequality in education. Liz is also a longtime education reporter. So who better to give us a sense of what we're doing and where we need to go? Welcome, Liz. Thanks. I'm really happy to be here discussing high schools. Very important topic. You spoke with Leon Botstein, and he says, he's a well-known education reformer, that American middle schools and high schools are a national catastrophe. Yes, and the great thing of, about um, Botstein, who's also the president of Bard College and quite a Renaissance man, um, does a lot of conducting, is that he also created and helped create a network of high schools that really work. I have to say, if you want to see something impressive that's happening in American high school education, take a look at the early college model. There's one here in New York City, Bard Early College High School. The model is spreading over Texas. We visited some schools there. They're, they have an early college high school in New Orleans. That's quite impressive. And what's really interesting is They have been taking low- and middle-income students and, and a range of students, all kinds of students from all kinds of backgrounds, introducing them to college-level work at an early age, finding that they can be successful in it, and they're graduating high school with, with credits that count towards a college degree. Now, so, so it can be done, but what's wrong? What he's talking about? What's that catastrophe he's talking about? Okay, so that is a really important question as well, because right now we have a dearth of preparation. Kids are coming out of high school not ready for the jobs that are going to be available, and often 
not ready for college-level work. Um, in many cases, you'll see large numbers of students ending up either in remedial education or going back to community college or at remedial education in a community college because their high schools did not prepare them adequately. And so many of them are spending money and taking out big college loans. And then what's so heartbreaking, you see a lot of people at the lower end of the scale who do make it to college, but they don't graduate. And nonetheless, they're saddled with tens of thousands of dollars of debt. Yeah, the graduation rates are quite abysmal, both at at many, many colleges. And part of that is a lack of readiness. But just getting them ready to be there in the first place requires a level of rigor and attention to detail, a level of academic readiness that not all high schools in this country are prepared to be able to handle and, and give to students. So what's the problem the schools? I mean, why are they not performing better? We're spending more than we did a generation ago, but test scores have just inched up a little. Would that it be that simple? This is not simply just a matter of resources and money, although that definitely plays a role. Um, You have to remember we live in a society of vast inequality when it comes to education system. So to paint the uh, high school picture with a broad brush in some ways is inherently a little bit unfair. Because if you visit um, a wealthy suburban high school system, I'll just say Scarsdale because I was there for a story a couple years back and it's an impressive system. Um, The taxes are extremely high. People live there for the schools. That's just one of any number of examples I could use. You will see very high graduation rates. You will see kids going on to great colleges You'll see teachers who are paid well, who really care in an entire community and system geared towards getting kids into college and through college. So it's a whole different set of circumstances that you'll see in a poorer community. Um, We also spend a lot of time in places like Mississippi, where the average ACT score is heartbreakingly low. And when they have parties just because just for kids who get over a 20 on their ACT, which would be a score that would send everyone in Scarsdale flurrying to individual tutors, consultants, and getting all kinds of extra help and resources. It would be um, a disaster for a community like that. So let's think about it. It's vastly unequal already because um, the way communities are are structured, local tax bases can contribute to a much higher level and a much different kind of education system. Right. So let's look at New York City or Mississippi, where there are tremendous numbers of kids coming from low-income families or from uh, disadvantaged backgrounds. Are there parallels? Are there things that those schools are struggling with that are not just solely because of of the inequality of their their students that they need to to improve or work on well one of the there's a lot of things quality curriculum quality of teaching quality of the administrators um approach ideas, the central ideas or themes. One of the things that's interesting in visiting so many high schools is, you know, we have to remember there's a whole charter school debate within all of our discussion about public schools, charters being public schools, but they're independently operated outside of the system. And I've seen some tremendous innovation at charter schools that is really heartwarming in terms of getting kids to where they need to be, getting kids to and through college. So the best high schools, whether they're charter or public, to me have a sense of purpose, a sense of a central idea and a team working together with some um, constructive and concerted ideas about what it takes to 
to really educate a child. I mean, the early college high school is one model. It's a very specific model. I looked closely at that. Not everybody um, wants their children to be exposed to college-level work in high school or think it's appropriate. But for some students... It's, it's a tremendous opportunity to, to get a very deeply rich, valuable, highly intellectual experience with all kinds of feedback from, from teachers who are prepared to, to teach them and give them the kind of credit they need. Now, on, on the topic of charter schools, it's such a big debate. I, I've spent a lot of time in New Orleans, and after Hurricane Katrina, their school system was decimated. And there, there's been a lot of experimentation down there, including um, a lot of experiments with the charter schools. How's that going? It's much more nuanced than, than people would have you believe. And always when it comes to charter schools, I'm so often asked, so are you for or against charter schools? Or are charter schools good or bad? And they really can't be looked at as either good or bad. Some charter schools in New Orleans are flourishing and doing well. Others have lost their charter. Others are performing mm-hmm. no better than the public school system that they've replaced. <laughs> yeah, because I think that we, we often compare ourselves in the United States with with countries overseas where the population is much more homogeneous and where the society as a whole is more likely to share similar goals. I mean, we have just extraordinary levels of diversity in America, which is a great thing, That's, but also that is a, difficult, a difficult issue for a lot of schools to deal with. It is. Um, so often we we look at Finland as this fantastic model, and we're, we were recently in Estonia looking at what they're doing there because they're catching up as well with some really interesting ways of, of working in their school systems and in their education. But the populations, as you pointed out, are not at all analogous. I believe so strongly that how we treat teachers and how we talk about teaching and, and, and the philosophy behind that is such an integral part to any high school success. One of our guests, Elizabeth Green, came on and talked about building a better teacher and making the point, and I think it's a great show to listen to, uh, it, on how important it is that teacher training is improved. Absolutely. And um, that was a a great book. I really enjoyed that book. And Elizabeth looked very closely at um, a a high school in New York City that was doing enormously well because of one teacher's uh, and one and one teacher really standing out in terms of the kind of work he was doing with students and we just spent some time in a school called Chabaz High School in Newark, New Jersey, an area that's had a lot of issues and problems around its schools and they had a, fa- a fabulous principal that everyone loved and he made such a difference in the lives of kids there. This is a, a really difficult school. When he left, it was traumatic for the community because they wondered nobody will be able to replace this man. How will it go? So we followed his successor, a new principal, to get a sense of how key that role is. That role of a principal matters so much. Now, luckily, they got a new principal who spent time listening to kids, listening to teachers, talking to them. But is it enough to just hold out for those rare, magical, charismatic principles or those those uniquely gifted teachers. Shouldn't we be able to study what works and come up with some good guidelines for good math? I mean, you know, people go to business schools, they study business management, and there's a lot you can learn about managing a business properly. It seems to me that there's less of that. I mean, maybe people are trying it, but I, you don't see much evidence that, that, that uh, our system is taking the lessons of success and applying them, maybe with principals who aren't 
incredibly charismatic, but just good, hardworking people. Yeah. Um, this In this case, it was a charismatic principle, but there are a lot of other qualities that matter in a principle. We've looked at this a lot. The principle is has so many jobs. Now, there are some studies um, right now. The Wallace Foundation, which is among the funders of the Heckinger Report, is been doing a great deal of work on pipelines for principles and how they can be taught and leadership. There's a lot of research going on about the role of the principle and what can be done to support a principle. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Right. So we're a show about solutions. And one of the things that I know you feel strongly about in terms of solutions and making high schools better is having a conversation, having a debate about making high schools better. That's right. We've been welcoming an array of voices and we've been publishing op-eds about them, which is great because we want to see what works. And I've been to high-tech high school in San Diego many times. That's a a school that's um, over and over again mentioned. And there's a, a book out and a film called Most Likely to Succeed, which really hones in on how this school is taking us away. People use the phrase factory model and farm model and how our schools haven't caught up. But what you see that's really interesting at a school like this is close-up emphasis on project-based learning, and you see kids get enormously excited about it. Tell us more about the San Diego school, the technology that's involved, and why that school is different. Sure. Well, that's high-tech high school in San Diego. It is also, it is a charter school. Um, what's interesting about their approach there is they strongly believe in project-based learning. And I think that, in a way, recognizes that point that I was making earlier about high school kids. Getting them involved, getting them excited, getting them to have their hands on, that kind of learning is a very useful way of, of getting them to the next level of, of wanting to learn and wanting to be curious and feeling good about the, their accomplishments and the work that they're doing. So that was a very impressive um, model that I witnessed. But back to the question of fixing it, I do have to add, we are also looking at failures. We want to know what matters, but you can. It, it is not hard to walk into any high school and see what doesn't work. What doesn't work? High schools that are too large high schools that don't have enough guidance counselors, high schools where, where kids get shut out of advanced placement um, classes because there isn't enough room for them. I personally remember sitting outside the guidance counselor's office of my son's high school saying, I'm not leaving until my son has put in AP English. I was ready to stay overnight. Um, there weren't enough spots. And I was determined, no, I want him in that class. Um, that's what a sensibility that involved 
caring parents can bring to it. Not everyone has that kind of time or energy or anger to make sure that it happens for their kids. However, Or even know that it's important. I right. mean, a lot of parents in this city, they don't know what advanced placement is. Right. And you, that requires a level of, of understanding about what colleges require and what they look at in their transcripts when they're looking at high school admissions. But what doesn't work? Um, schools that are too violent, schools that are run too militaristically, that, that I've seen that as well. Um, schools where the teachers are just kind of looking at the clock um, and aren't really prepared or don't know enough about the subject, where there's a lack of passion for kids and for teaching, and schools where there just simply aren't enough adults to, to rein in the, the behavior of young adolescents, which can be frightening. I think another example that I've seen that I think really matters is role models in schools like that. For example, I was visiting high schools in Minnesota, a place that's really being roiled right now with a lot of racial um, sentiment and uh, anger and despair over the recent police shootings. They hired a black male teacher slash principal to just talk to them about what to do when a cop stops you and looks at your license, um, to talk about how to handle feelings of anger around racism and how to channel that into the best academic efforts and energy that they can. And what about the kids who just, maybe they're not that smart, but they're good kids. I mean, I sometimes feel like we, we worry about the very bottom and we worry about the top. We don't worry about just Making this just work for ordinary kids. Maybe they're not going to Harvard, but but they they should be able to make it through high school. What, what can we do for them? Well, I think that goes back to all of the things that we we're saying, and that's regardless of where you are in the country. Quality leadership, quality teaching, a curriculum that makes sense with a, a variety of choices. You can take an advanced placement class, but maybe you can just take regular chemistry as well. But one thing you don't ever want to forget about here in this debate is the high school student themselves. Since I have teenagers still at home, you have to remember, and I'm thinking about their, both of them when they first started these large, sprawling New York high schools, these kids are kind of a mess. Their hormones are raging. They're all over the place. They're not organized. I mean, I have boys. I, I'm told it's quite different with, with girls. Oh, but yeah, I remember at one, <laughs> at one point um, asking one of my older son's friends, who was a, a young lady, to come in and, and help my younger son just get organized because the high school had no way of doing that. The kid couldn't find his locker. When you enter high school, you are a young adolescent. You're going to be going through a lot of changes from middle school. Your body is changing all of the all of the time. The things that consume your life and your thoughts might range from music to that breakout on your nose that, that is making you absolutely gun-shy and horrified. Um, you might still be a boy who's short and all the girls are taller than you. You might be a little bit unorganized. Um, you might not remember what you learned in middle school. All of these things come into play when a kid enters high school. One of the things I advocated for and looked at was I wish that at least at my kids' high school, there had been a central person or someone who could just sort of help the kids get organized. And here's what you do if you have a problem. And here's the guidance counselor you can go to. And if you can't get into the course you want. But this was so missing in my kids' high school. And you have to remember, here's where it comes back to money. Guidance counselors. There's never enough guidance counselors in New York City public high schools and in large suburban high schools all over the country. The national ratio is as low as 400 to 1 and in California, 1,000 to 1. But wow. should schools welcome the involvement of the community more? I felt as a parent, a public school parent, I was shut out. 
the most successful high schools, the most successful schools anywhere are schools where there's a flourishing, involved parental community, both financially and in all kinds of other ways. No so doubt. Let's, let's talk a little. We're talking about how kids can learn better, but let's talk a little about what they should learn. You know, there's a debate and it comes up a lot um, in the Heckinger report about how much do kids need to be on the pre-college track? Does every kid need to be on that track? Does every kid need Algebra 2? Algebra 2 is pretty hard, and it's a major reason a lot of kids who aren't great students wind up flunking out or dropping that's out right. of school. That's right, or endlessly in remedial education where they can't get through it either. And that's an excellent point. And I think there's been a great recognition now. I mean, even a high-quality certificate or something analogous to a college degree is being recognized as a very useful tool for our society. And so absolutely, there you're going to see more emphasis on career and technical education. And sometimes that comes with a great academics. What about the importance of math and science teaching in high schools? Hugely important because um, that's re- these are weak areas for our country, very weak areas. I learned this when I went to the high school summit in Washington, D.C. Um, math and science are so weak in U.S. high schools, do you know only half of them offer calculus? Just 63% offer physics. And there's a shortage of advanced math and science courses in schools with the highest percentage of African-American and Latino students. Now, these are courses that are needed for the growing fields in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. And if the high school's don't offer them, the kids are just not going to be prepared to take the introductory courses they need in college to have these kinds of careers open to them. Um, there's programs like the Woodrow Wilson Foundation trying to get more teachers who are trained in STEM issues, science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, another model that's gaining a lot of traction, it's also really interesting, and it's backed by IBM is PTEC, Pathways in Technology Early College High Schools. And there's one in Brooklyn. It's also expanding its network to project-based schools. It's fantastic when you see groups and individuals and corporations and ideas gaining traction because they're getting outside support like that. And there's a college and industry initiative that's related to high schools. There's a gigantic effort The White House Summit was um, one way of talking about this new effort to look at high schools. There's a foundation known as the Emerson Collective. They are on a gigantic bus tour now. They're they're traversing the country. They're having a national competition, a 50 million national high school redesign effort. So they're looking for the best and most innovative and most interesting high schools that work. I'm following that because I'm dying to know what they find. And I think what we see is... Can these models be replicated? One thing you'll hear over and over again from educators is, can this be scaled? Um, I don't like that phrase, but I understand what they're talking about. Because when we say one school, I'm talking about high-tech, high or P-tech, the question is, yes, you can make one school really successful. But what are the lessons that can be learned nationally? How can we take a model that's showing success and stretch it to various parts of the country from Austin to Texas to Mississippi to um, Maine. And not depend as much on that one charismatic principal or a few uniquely gifted teachers and maybe study what's working in ways that are replicable. That's right. And in ways that um, transcend the high tax base of the kind of affluent Westchester communities you were talking about, places where people always will value education and move to because the, the community is going to support the school budget and it's going to support the AP curriculums and it's going to support the um, enrichment. But yeah, I think we have to look at what works and, and I'll be f- closely following um, that. It's called the Super School Project. 
And I'm going to be looking at that to see how it works. And, you know, we're going to be spending time in high schools all over the country in the next year and a half. I'm really excited about it because I want to be able to spend time in the classroom with the students, with the teachers looking at it. I want to just hear about it at a conference. Our idea is to be sort of hands-on and spend immersion in in these different programs and see what's happening. So great conversation. Obviously, Richard, you know this is something that I've lived with because of my family. But you know, every but everybody has experience with this. We've all everybody been, has we've opinions all been about students. Yeah. We, anybody who has kids lives this. Sometimes I think people think these problems are easier to fix than they are, precisely because oh, you know. I must be an expert because I went to school. Right. It's and more complicated than that. Yeah. And we're, we're how do we fix it? So we love to have four or five takeaways that people get from the show and go, okay, we, we fixed that problem. And with education, it's tough right. because one size fits all does not work. Well, that's my first takeaway from Liz Willen's interview is – her organization, the Heckinger Report, they're not advocating certain policies so much as reporting on what works and, as she points out, reporting on what doesn't work. But there's a lot of good experimentation going on around the country. I think we've learned from the backlash to Common Core that people are leery of one-size-fits-all solutions. Even though that backlash may be overblown, I think people's instinct that we don't necessarily want one federal education policy for everybody because what if it's not a good one? better to have lots of experiments, see what works, and maybe, you know, back away from the ones that don't and double down on the ones that do. So let's look at a few takeaways and some things she she mentioned. Uh, Liz talked about uh, the Emerson Collective led by Lorraine Powell Jobs and how they're looking at redesigning high schools and things that work. And, and the Heckinger Report is going to follow that project over the next two or three years. And she also mentioned a film most likely to succeed that I'd like to see. And then uh, some other solutions, project-based learning, uh, the importance of role models, uh, um, and also elevating the role that math and science plays in schools because that has a lot to do with our changing requirements at work. Uh, there's a gap between kids leaving high school and colleges and the skills that are needed in the workplace. Yeah, but it's a little more – it's a little tricky. We need to allow some kids to to take a track that's not college-bound but is career-bound, and maybe you give them a little bit of pass on some of the harder math stuff, but you make sure they're highly literate and that they can they can master the other skills that are needed. Okay, i got to make a plug for us then. If you're interested in this, listen to the show that Mike Rowe did with us. He was the host of Dirty Jobs on TV, talking about skilled trades that more young people need to do work with their hands, drillers, plumbers, etc. And there as well, there's a gap. Right. And, and the shortage of people with the kind of skills that are needed for skilled trades. And what M- Mike's point is that we've denigrated the skilled trades. We've, we've acted as if the only jobs that are worthy of any status in our society are, are jobs that require a college education. Too many people are going to college who don't need to be there. And then they're not making it through college. That's the, that's the tragedy. I think he's dead right. I think we need 
more diverse options uh, that allow people to get themselves into good jobs. Not everybody needs not everybody needs four years of college, but let's make sure that everybody who wants that is prepared for it. And another How Do We Fix It show, Elizabeth Green, Building a Better Teacher, uh, that looked at teacher training and the importance of that in terms of improving education. And Anisa Ramirez, who discussed science, her podcast Science Underground, which is so fun. Right, and getting kids excited about science. I love this project project-based learning. It's not like people didn't know this before. I mean, we did project-based stuff all the way back when I was in high school and middle school. Uh, I mean, you know, a term paper is a project if you look at it that way. But I do think that getting kids out of, you know, the rote learning experiences and working on things. I'm a huge fan of the first robotics uh, competitions that where kids as an extracurricular activity uh, build robots that then compete. And it's a, if you ever go to one of these events, it's incredibly exciting. And you see these high school kids, and they've just built this huge robot that's like shooting basketballs through baskets and driving around. And it's really, and you think, wow, high school kids built that. That's pretty impressive. Jim, I think you're pretty impressive. The show is How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. Uh, I'm Jim Meggs. And uh, produced by Miranda Schaefer, who's making sure that we ask better questions than we otherwise would bring to the table. All the tough questions that we would otherwise forget. (laughs) Right. And also our audio engineer, Denise Barberita. Here at the beautiful Mona Lisa Studios in Uptown Manhattan. Thanks for listening. The show is produced by Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. Check us out at DaviesContent.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.